Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligot. Welcome to the first Monday mailbag of the regular season. That's right. Training camp, over. Preseason games, over. It's time for the real thing, baby. And it starts on Wednesday in Carolina when the Blue Jackets take on the Hurricanes. Well, thanks for sticking it out with me here today. Uh, My intention was to start this show earlier, but just the way I should have known. I actually knew, but I was hoping against hope. But, uh, you know, practice ran longer than I thought it was going to, and then there were things we had to do after practice. So thanks for sticking around. Thanks for being there uh, when it was time to do the show. I really appreciate that. We're live on Twitter Spaces, so... If you'd like to be on the show, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I will bring you on. In the meantime, I have some tweets that have already been sent to me, some questions that have already been tweeted at me at Bobby Mac Sports. So let me start there, and I'll start today with Brian Wallace. And Brian says, who are your breakout candidates? And after the top two defensive lines, it gets dicey. Is this a legit area of concern? Well, let me start with that one, Brian. Yes, that is an area of concern. No need to lie about it. Because this team last year gave up more goals against than they ever had as a unit. They gave up more goals overall for the entire season than any Blue Jackets team ever had. So that, of course, is a concern. The faces haven't really changed. The one change was Eric Goodbranson was brought in from the Calgary Flames. And he'll make a difference in different areas. Good penalty killer. Tough guy. It's going to create more accountability for the other teams being out there. But he's a third-pair defenseman. He's not a top-two pair defenseman. So a lot of the names are still the same. It's the performances that have to be different. It's the performances that have to be better than they were last year. So, yes, it is an area of concern. The guys that were here last year and are back again this year, they've got to prove that they're different. They're better. They are going to get the job done in that department. And maybe they get it done because they have the puck at the other end of the ice. It's possible, perhaps. Perhaps it'll work that way. But, um, and even the top one. I mean, you've got Boquist playing with Wierenski. And we saw it in the last two preseason games, and I'm assuming we're going to see it against Carolina on Wednesday. And for Adam Boquist, a lot of work during the summer, a lot of adjustments being made to his game to be able to handle that spot with Zach on the top pair. So he's got to not just get there, he's got to maintain the spot. Because if he does, you're in really good shape, in my opinion, because you've got Andrew Peak and Vladislav Gavrikov as your second pair, and that gives you a good shutdown defensive pair. So you have an offensive pair, you have a shutdown defensive pair, then you've got the third pair with Goodbranson and Jake Bean or Nick Blankenberg uh, that can can roll in there and take some minutes. And that would be good. That's that on paper, to me, that works out the best. Question is going to be if Boquist can handle the minutes and the pressure of playing on the top pair with Zach Wierenski. And who are my breakout candidates? I think I would be a fool not to pick Igor Chinikov because what a breakout preseason he had. Six goals during the preseason. Made this team. If there was any thought of this guy going to the American Hockey League, that thought disappeared pretty quickly. And it wasn't just the goals. It was the overall play of Chinikov. So he's a he's an easy 
breakout uh, candidate on this team. Uh, you know, I mean, Johnny and Patrick are guys you expect just to have to have big seasons. Um, maybe Cole Sillinger. A lot of, there's always that that term thrown around about a, a sophomore jinx, but you know, Cole last year what 16 goals last year. He can do better than that. I think he will do better than that. So uh, those are my breakout candidates for this year. Curtis says, hey, Bob, how about some news on Vladislav Gavrikov? Any word on a contract extension there? Uh, no. No, there has not been. Um, I did notice that uh, in an article, it was uh, yesterday's, the uh, Sunday article in The Athletic, uh, Aaron Portsline had mentioned that uh, that they were not really going anywhere with a contract right now, the Blue Jackets and Gavrikov. So, no, I don't have anything more for you, Curtis, on that, I'm sorry to say. The good Reverend Rodriguez says the time has come. The season is upon us. There are roster moves that must be made, and I would really like to know what your ideal opening day roster is and who are you most surprised to see still with or not with this team going into Wednesday. For me, it's Liam Foody, just because Liam was injured most of last year. He didn't play a lot of games last year. He missed most of camp, and he only played in the last two preseason games. That's a bit of a surprise, but then again, he would have to clear waivers to go to Cleveland. I know that it's been kind of hit or miss for him so far in the National Hockey League, but he was playing well in Cleveland before he got hurt last year, and he's a former first-round pick, so he's not the kind of guy that you um, want to risk having another team take. You know, everybody knows the situation. The other teams know that he was injured, and they know that you're trying to sneak him through, and, and maybe they see an opportunity to, to take him. Um and I'm not saying that he won't wind up in Cleveland. He very well could. But then there are other times that you're – sometimes you wait until teams' rosters are set and then you try to slip a guy through. You don't do it at this point in time. So um, I, it's a surprise to me only because he he wasn't able to participate in so much of camp, and yet he's here. So obviously the, the waivers has something to do with that. But that all being said, I thought in Washington he looked good the other night. Quite honestly, I I thought he played well. I thought he, uh, I thought he um, opened some eyes, and he had far less time to do it than other people did. So good on him for being able to get the job done. Kyle says Chinnikov has been amazing so far. Where does he play? Seems to be really good on the right, but that would mean that he plays third line unless Jake moves to the left. Also, the third line could be Kent Johnson. Cole Sillinger and Chinnikoff, and that would be a very young line. I wouldn't have a problem with the youth on that line, to be honest with you, because I think Chinnikoff plays good defense. I think uh, Kent Johnson does too, and Sillinger, obviously he does. He's stuck in the NHL as a centerman at 18 years of old last year, at 18 years old last year. So um, that I, that doesn't that that doesn't uh, worry me if that were the case, but. The way that it was set up in practice today is that Chinikov was playing on the left side with Roslovic and Voracek, which, again, is good. I mean, he's on the second line. Gus Nyquist skated, and he was on the third line. That's a good thing. That's not a knock on Gus Nyquist and, or anything like that. It is That's good. If you're going to have a guy push and he's going to surpass a veteran player in the lineup and, and maybe get more ice time and get more opportunities. We saw how he skated with Jake. I mean, he and Jake look like they're on the same page. They they understand each other's games, and they know exactly how they want to play, and they just go out there and they do it. So um, 
I think that is a, you know, again, it's on paper and you're not playing in the game right now. It's a good spot for him to start on Wednesday. And then if things go bad, it won't take long to, to change some things there. So um, that's where he's going to be. That's that's what it's looking like, what it's looking like for him as we get ready for the game on Wednesday in Carolina against the Hurricanes. A big game. I mean, what a test. What a test for the Blue Jackets to get going and start the season against a division rival, a division rival that feels that they are built to win the Stanley Cup. And they felt like that for the last couple of years. And they keep on pushing a little bit more, a little bit more, and they got forced into making some changes this year. And But they made good changes, right? They bring in Brent Burns from San Jose to take over on the blue line. They had Tony D'Angelo there last year. He did a good job for them. They got him at a bargain basement price, and he did a good job, and then he ends up leaving and going to Philadelphia, and they bring in Brent Burns to take his spot there. They've got some really good players through the Hurricanes. It is, it's going to be hard to have a bigger test on opening night than this one that the Blue Jackets are going to face on Wednesday. Dave Hanstad says, uh, what, in your opinion, is the primary role of the third line for the Blue Jackets, and who would you expect to be mainstays there? Do you expect it to be a line focused on development, shutdown, physicality, etc.? Well, as I just got done telling you, uh, right now it is Sillinger along with uh, Nyquist on that line, and... Uh, uh, who's on the right wing? Why am I I'm totally – I just went through this, and now I'm totally drawing a blank here. But anyway, um, so it, I think it's a little bit of uh, everything. It's a little bit of of everything that is going on on that line. You've got uh, the young Cole Sillinger. He's in the middle. And then you've got uh, the the experience, the very experienced Gus Nyquist on one side, and Justin Danforth, that's the guy. Justin Danforth, who uh, Brad Larson has referred to as a Swiss Army knife that can just go in in any situation and play anywhere. He can play center. He can play wing. Uh, and he's just he's just going to go hard. Every shift, he's just going to go hard. So it's not a development line because you have two veteran guys. Even though Danforth's not an NHL veteran per se, he's only played one year in the league. He's played as a pro for a long time. So you got two veteran guys flanking a second-year centerman. So it's not going to be development. That's not it. It's uh, it's going to be more of a uh, it, it's a it's a scoring line. It's a scoring line. It, the way the NHL is, it used to be your top two lines are scoring lines, your third line is a checking line, and your fourth line is a very physical line that can fight. It's not like that anymore. It's three scoring lines and then a checking line, and you even will take all the scoring you can get from the fourth line, and the fourth lines score more today than they ever did before. In my opinion, they do anyway. Because you have very talented guys. Eric Robinson, back 15 years ago, is Eric Robinson going to be a fourth-line player? No. Well, maybe because of his size, but you know, if he's not going to hit anybody and don't fight, uh, they're not going to care about his speed as much or his goal-scoring ability as much because you need to match up with other teams in different areas. So um, now, Matthew Olivier, who's on the fourth line with Sean Corrales, would he be that guy 15 years ago? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't even have to handle the puck as much as he does now. But he'd be able to do all the other stuff, for sure. There's no doubt about it. So um, so that's where that, that's where it all stands with those guys. And um, the third line is going to be a scoring line. It's going to be a third scoring line. And it's going to be a straight line type of a line, too. 
because Sillinger and Danforth are going to go right to the net. Gus is more creative than those two. And, you know, that's – he's just – he handles the puck a little bit differently than those other guys do, but he knows how to utilize those kind of players on his line. So that is what I see the role of that line being without question. Finn McCool says, I know that some teams have personalized goal songs for players – if you were an NHL player on a team like this and scored, what would you pick as Bobby Mack's individual goal song? Oh, my goodness. I have never thought about this, and I didn't pre-read the question, so I'm not ready for the answer. What would I take as uh, as a goal song? Let's see. Uh, oh, boy, there's there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, and would I go old school? Would I try to be funny, you know, you know, could you do that old I'm too sexy for my shirt and all that song that that song that what was that guy's name? Fred what oh see I'm show, I'm showing my lack of I'm usually better than this. Usually better than this at that. But uh would I do that and try to be funny about it? Uh you know, would I want something that is new and upbeat? Probably something probably something that has uh it has a good beat to it that people are going to like and they're going to respond to, you know. And um, yeah, but I don't know. I got I got to think further on that. I got to think. Throwing a good Dua Lipa track on there, maybe after after a goal, you know, take people by surprise, get them clapping, you know. Or maybe it's that. Maybe it's that. I can make your hands clap. I like that song. I know it's good. It's starting to get older now, but I like that song. Anthony Moore says, any guess on point total for the Blue Jackets this year and where they land in the standings? Any guess? That, that would be all guessing, by the way. Would be all guessing. Uh, what they finish last year? They finished with 81 points. That was 19 back of Washington, who had 100. Took 100 points to get in the playoffs last year. You believe that? Took 100 to get in. Used to take 90. Now it takes 100. Point inflation. Inflation is everywhere. Point inflation it took last year. Uh, I would say I can see him having 95 points. And will that be enough to get into the standings? I hope that it will be. I hope that it will be. want to remind you again, if you're on Twitter Spaces and you want to come aboard, you could do that. All you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I can bring you up, and you can talk to me about the Blue Jackets who are set to open their season on Wednesday night in Carolina against the Hurricanes and then return right back to Nationwide Arena for a Friday night home opener against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Heather is first up today. Hello, Heather. Hello, Heather. Heather, are you there? Going once, going twice. Heather had a problem last week, too. I don't know what's up with that. So, anyway... As we used to say in the radio business, there's one line open. So if you'd like to be on, all you have to do is request to be a speaker with me, and uh, I will take you on Twitter Spaces here on this live Monday mailbag edition of CBJ in 30. Um, Let me see. Andrew has checked in. He says, hey, thanks for the podcast over the years. I don't have a question. Just wanted to say how appreciative the Blue Jackets fans are for having you with the organization. Andrew, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I I really do, and I enjoy doing these things and uh, have a lot of fun with them, and you guys make them easy. Most of the time, anyway, you make them easy, so I appreciate that. John Milsip says, do you have any pregame rituals that you perform 
before broadcasting. Just eating, John. Just eating. Pre-game meal. It's a must, especially on the road, especially in Carolina. Oh, man. And we were just there last week for a preseason game. And even though that game was terrible and that game stunk and, you know, they got beat 8-1 to and it was not fun to watch, Carolina barbecue. There is just nothing like Carolina barbecue. And it's that, that vinegar-based barbecue, and then you get some coleslaw with it, and they always have it in the press room. They have other choices, too, but I don't even bother. I went there last week. I got my plate. I went past the salad. I went past the potatoes. I went past the meatloaf or whatever else was there. I went past all of it, and I went right to the barbecue and uh, loaded it up, went and got a side of coleslaw, put it down there next to the barbecue, and right back to the table. And then I got up and I did it again. Yes, I did. I did. I did it again. And then I went to the ice cream. So that's really the only pregame ritual that I have is is I got to eat in the press room. I don't do any uh, voice exercises or any of that kind of stuff, you know, the um, like a singer would do, you know, me, 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 none of that, none of that. I'm not uh, doing the not doing the um, stuff from uh, Anchorman. You know, uh, pronouncing words and all that stuff. It's I just got to eat, just got to eat, and especially in that press room. I I just love that stuff. I I'll never forget my first minor league baseball job, Kinston, North Carolina. It's about an hour or so east of Raleigh, and I was um, it was before the season started. I got there in February. Season started in April, and. One thing that was going on before the season, uh, they were having, out at the airport, they were having a pig picking. Now, being a Pennsylvania guy, I had no idea what a pig picking was. And people were like, you're going to go to the pig picking this weekend. I said, I don't I don't know what the pig picking is. Oh, you got to go to the pig picking. You're going to love it. It's going to be good. You're going to like it a lot. So, all right. So, anyway, I went out there, and, and it was out, uh, it was at the airport, small airport, small regional airport. There was a lot of... Uh, empty fields around the in front of the airport there and that area was just filled with cars and trucks pulling um those smokers that they cook the hogs in and i mean they cook the entire hog in that thing and there were they were everywhere they were everywhere you could just go around and Sample different uh, barbecues, and it was it was unbelievable. And that's why I'm really unhappy that we're only going to Carolina one time this year. The way the schedule works out. Remember when they put Seattle in last year? You had to lose two games somewhere else. And for some reason that I can't explain and have not had explained to me and wish somebody would tell me, with a really good reason why they take the games out of your division. So um, we only go to Carolina one time. We'll play them three times overall. They'll come here twice. We go there once. And then New Jersey, I think, uh, they come here once, and we go there twice. So those are the games that we're losing this year. So anyway, I'm, I'm more upset that we're not going back there because I just want to get more of the Carolina barbecue. That's really what it has to do with. That's My, my life is very simple. I don't ask for a lot. I, I just want it to... Uh, I just want the things that I want. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just want those things. Thomas says, uh, never been to Hurricanes territory. I'm going on Wednesday. Any recommendations for pregame drinks and food before the game? 
so there, we're just talking about that. You got to get some, you got to get some barbecue somewhere. And I have it at the rink. There used to be a place near the hotel that we stayed. Uh, there used to be a barbecue place. They've closed it. It didn't make it out of the pandemic, unfortunately. So, um, I, uh, so I'm kind of, I don't know where to tell you to go exactly. Let me, uh, let me look up one place here and if this place still exists, I don't know if it does or not. Um, there was a place when I used to go, when I used to go to Durham to play, uh, in triple a baseball there, the radio guy there used to take me to a, to a place, uh, that was really good. And I can't remember what it's, what the name is, but I think it was more near Raleigh. Uh, let's see. Let me see. Uh, there's all kinds of them though. There's all kinds. Just look up Carolina barbecue and the best places to get it in Raleigh. That's what I would suggest. I mean, you got to try it. If you never have, you got to try it. And they've got, uh, all kinds of things. I'm looking through a whole list right now. And, um, yeah, just do that. Or ask in your hotel. That's the best bet. Probably ask in your hotel. That's always good. I cannot find the place that I was looking for. Maybe it doesn't, maybe that didn't survive either, which would be a shame because it was one of those old, uh, locally owned places that had like, um, had like pictures of celebrities on the wall that have come in there to eat before. And I don't, I don't see it. So either I'm looking for the wrong thing or it's just not showing up on my list for some reason. But anyway, Thomas, just go there, go to your hotel or, or stop anywhere and ask where the best barbecue is and try it out. I think that's what you need to do. You need to get out there and get out there and try it out. Simple as that. Um, let's see. What else here? What else do I have? I thought that was a question. It's not a question. Right said Fred. Thank you, Al, my good buddy Al. Right said Fred. I, I was I thought it was deadhead Fred, and that's why I stumbled on it. Right said Fred with the I'm too sexy for my yeah, that that's it. That is it. Thank you, Al. I appreciate that. Al, you've Al's been there to pick me up for uh oh my gosh, how many years? How many years? Long time. Nineteen ninety three till now, that's a long time. So you're there for me again, my friend. I appreciate that. Uh let me see. John Poston says, Hey Bob, will you also be wearing your blue pants for the away games in solidarity with the team? <laughs> that is a good question. Um, I do. Okay, so somebody asked about a ritual. I didn't connect this with a pregame ritual. However, now that you asked this question, John, um, I'll tell you this story. Will I be wearing blue pants? I don't know. I haven't decided what I'm going to wear on Wednesday yet. I'm going to wear. I uh, I try to. Here's what I'm not going to wear. Why can't I just speak today? I'm really having a problem with this. I better get it going before Wednesday. Um, I will not wear anything red, okay? I really try not to wear the colors of the other team. And sometimes that's a challenge because, you know, we are the Blue Jackets. So I should be able to wear a blue suit anytime I want to. should be able to wear blue pants anytime I want to. But sometimes I will just simply not do it. Like going into Carolina, I would not wear a red tie. 
And that would, I guess that would be the only red thing. It's not like I'm going to wear a red sport coat. It's not like I'm going to wear red shoes. It's not like I'm going to wear a red shirt. But I will not wear a red tie. So normally when I go into a place like that, their colors are red, red, white, and black. So I'll just go in there and wear something blue because it's very easy. Whether it's a gray suit with a blue shirt, whether it's a blue suit with a white shirt, blue tie, whatever the case. Um, So probably, so I probably will. But see, now I was thinking about wearing blue on Friday because it's the home opener. Now, Tampa Tampa wears blue. It's a different shade. And then we leave to go to St. Louis. They are the blues, and, of course, they wear blue. So you see where it gets really tricky. You see where you got to start to plan the wardrobe. Now, see, I could go into St. Louis and wear a red tie. That would be fine. In fact, that's more than likely uh, the direction that I'll head. You can wear red against the blue team, wear blue against the red team. So there's a good chance, John, that I will have blue pants on. But I I guess it, in the, at the end it would be in solidarity with the team and their new, uh, their new look on the road. But it wasn't intended that way. Logan Detweiler says, My goal song would be People's Champ by Arkell's Music. All right. All right. Well, there you go. I know I can think of a lot better songs if I sit and actually uh, listen to it. Heather was trying to get on live, and she couldn't, but she sent a uh, tweet, and she said, I was wondering if you like the idea of Corpusalo going down to the monsters and teaching the young goalies as he rehabs. Uh, no, no. I, I Look, it, if, if he was rehabbing, he's worried about himself. It, people learn from... Uh, by example, I guess, just from watching him. But, you know, he's he needs to get his game ready wherever, whenever. He needs to get himself ready. Union in Blue says the pit, downtown Raleigh, is great local barbecue. So there you go, Thomas, the pit in downtown Raleigh. You know what's really funny? In all the years that I've gone to Carolina, and this will be the 14th, and I'm talking about in the NHL. I'm not talking about going there for – Baseball in Durham, because I very seldom went to Raleigh. I think I think in all the years I did baseball, in the 16 years I did it, and Durham was in, when I started, they were in single A, and then they moved to triple A, and so I, I did it in two different leagues. I went there for two different leagues. But I only went downtown to Raleigh one time, and we went to, I don't even know what the name of the bar is. All I can tell you is the reason that we went to this place was because in the movie Bull Durham, there's a uh, there's a scene where they're out after a game and like uh, the whole team is out in the same place and uh, you know Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, they're in there and uh, it's where uh, Kevin Costner and you know Crash Davis, his character, he and uh, Nuke Lelouch, they get into an argument and they go out the back door to settle the argument. So we went to the actual place where they filmed that scene, and there's a um, there's a door that has a stained glass window on it. Whereas in the movie, after they go out into the back alley, um, you know, Crash tells Nuke to go ahead and hit him with a fastball, and and he gets mad and he throws it and he misses him and he throws it through the window. And the whole point is that he can't. Uh, the whole point is that he that he can't hit the broadside of a barn with the with the ball. So we went there one time. That was the only time I was in Raleigh. And then we went there a couple of years ago for briefly. So the whole my whole point is I don't even 
think about there being a downtown Raleigh because we just don't go. We just don't go there. But there is one, and I'm sure there's great stuff down there, and Union and Blue says the pit is where you can get some really good barbecue there. So there you go. There's that recommendation. See, you guys always take care of yourselves. I love how you do that. I love how you always are there for each other. Let me see if I can take somebody live right now. Somebody like uh, Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome to CBJ and 30. Hey, Bob. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Um, wanted to, to ask, uh, first off, I had a couple things I wanted to ask about. The first thing is, uh, do you like with Chinakov being on that second line and bumping Gus down to the third line? Because personally, I was a little concerned about having both Nyquist and Voracek on the same line because in my mind, I treat them both very much as playmakers versus shooters. And I really like having one playmaker and one shooter in an ideal scenario. So what did you think of uh, those lines if that's how they play out on Wednesday? I like them. I like them a lot. I like, uh, you know, again, Voracek and Chinikov. I'll just go back to that one goal that uh, Chinikov scored that – Jake set up by firing the puck off the wall, purposely throwing it behind him and having the puck come off the boards to hit uh, Chinnikoff as he was uh, continuing to go toward the net, helped him to beat the defenseman. That was against St. Louis, and the defenseman was an NHL guy in Robert Bortuzzo. So uh, they think the game the same way. They're they're creative together. So I like that. I think that's going to work. And then, you know, for Gus, I, you know, Gus can work with anybody uh, any way that he needs to. But uh, he and Danforth there with Sillinger, yeah, I, I kind of like it. looks like that would have balance as well. So um, I, I'm all for that. Let's start it that way. You know how it works. If it, if it doesn't work, you can make the change even in the first game if you want to. But uh, um, I, I like it on paper is my answer to you. Sure, sure. And then um, the other thing I wanted to ask about was since it's looking like Ken Johnson is probably not going to be in like – he'll be on the team but not on the – opening night roster to actually play the game down in Carolina. Um, what do you expect to be his role during this time? Um, I mean, obviously we all think that he needs to be getting minutes, whether that's in Cleveland top line minutes or, or in jackets. You don't want him sitting on the bench for very long for sure. Uh, so what do you think the plan is there for him? Uh, and what do you think the lineup kind of looks like? Who do you think he slots in for and how does it mix things around if they decide to put him in? Well, I think uh... – I would imagine that if he is going to be the extra guy, uh, you keep him here for the weekend. Uh, if somebody were to get hurt, he could go in for anybody. That's the beauty of him. And now that he's played a little bit of center, even though they don't want to give him that number one center responsibility right now, he could go into the middle and he could play, and he's not going to hurt you if he does that. Um, so, But you do want him to play. It's going to be interesting for me because if nobody gets hurt, and how long are they going to let him sit? Are they going to try to get him into one of these games uh, this weekend? Which is possible because it's three games in four days. So, you know, they could bump somebody out. Um, and who could they take out? They could take uh, they could take an Olivier out. They could take a um, uh, they could take a Danforth out. That sounds crazy because of how well that he played during camp. But, I, I mean, they can get him in there if they want to get him in there. But I'm just interested to see what does happen with him because let's say that he doesn't play in any of the three games. Does he wind up going to Cleveland next week? Um, but he's got to play. He's, he's got to play somewhere, and hopefully he plays big minutes. So, you know, as it sits here today, he's here, but I don't know how long that's going to be for because a player that has that skill set 
you don't want them sitting very long and not playing. For sure. I personally, I if they're not going to play him in the next couple of games, I'd rather him be down playing top line center in yeah. Cleveland and, and really working on that part of the game. Yeah, I, sure. agree. I, I agree. I think that's a no-brainer if if that's the way it's going to be. Uh, let him get there. Let him play. Uh, let him learn that position and get better at it. So I, I agree with that. So we'll see how it shakes out. It's it's a great problem to have, though, because remember, this guy came in here last year and he was automatically going into the lineup, and now he's having a hard time cracking it. So that that just tells you how much better this team has gotten, both from the outside and from the growth inside. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Bob. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate it. If you'd like to uh, be live on the show, all you have to do is request to be a speaker. And you can do just that. You can join me on this CBJ and 30. Uh, who did I get this from? BC said, I'm really wondering why everyone predicts Columbus to finish last in the division. Does no one trust the Blue Jackets or is the Metropolitan Division too good? Well, it's it's a combination. Look, the division's good, right? Carolina's going to be in the playoffs. The Rangers are going to be in the playoffs. Uh, Pittsburgh has been in the playoffs for, what, 16 straight years, and they have won two cups along the way. Washington is a perennial perennial playoff team. They've won a Stanley Cup. Um, And and I know those two are getting older, but when are they going to age out? We always think it's time for them to age out, and then they don't. Uh, So you've got those are four teams right there. And then you've got uh, the Islanders, who had a terrible year last year that are expected to bounce back. So that's five. That's five tough ones right there. The Blue Jackets are going to be a tough one. New Jersey, I'm still not bought into New Jersey. I've told you time and time and time again on this show that I'm not bought into New Jersey. They have to make me a believer. And if they do, good on them. If they don't, I'll be the first one to say I told you so. And then you got Philadelphia, who's going to stink. So the reason they're saying it, to be honest with you, BC, is because most of what you hear that from are people that are you know, it's on the outside, and it's the pundits, and it's the hockey media and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, they, last place is ridiculous. They're not going to be in last, for sure. And I just told you who they really have to compete with. They're not going to be in last place. So I don't, I don't pay any attention to any of that. I really don't. Everybody picked the Blue Jackets to be last last year. And I told everybody on every show that I went on, every interview I did, that they weren't going to be as bad as everybody from the outside thought. And they weren't. In fact, they were in the hunt up until they hit that really bad stretch December, January. So they don't know. They're guessing. They're projecting and guessing. And where are most of those people? Most of those people are in the, come on, say it with me, New York market. So what do you want them to say? Rocket Robin says, as a longtime Blue Jackets fan, I've seen a lot of players come and go. We all know it's part of the business. But my question is this. How many players do you keep in touch with who have moved on? Um, when you, <laughs> Some. Some. I, I only hesitated because it's not like I go out and if I happen to have their number, I don't, I don't call them on a regular basis. I don't text them on a regular basis. But that doesn't mean that I don't stay in touch with them. It's like when something comes up. I'll give you a case in point. Remember when Johnny Gaudreau came here in the summertime and when I was doing the interview on this show with him and he was talking about calling around and talking to guys that used to play here and um, getting recommendations from them, and Cam Atkinson was obviously one. 
But Dalton Prout's name came up on that as well because Dalton Prout, don't forget, played in Calgary after he had played here. So his name came up. And after I'd had that conversation with Johnny, a little bit later, I just shot a text to both of those guys and said, hey, thanks for helping Johnny make up his mind to come to Columbus. Just a simple thing. It's not like I'm, you know, every two, three weeks, I'm saying, hey, what's going on in your life? What are you doing? But when the situation occurred, I reached out, and they responded, and it was great, and, and we had uh, a couple of lines back and forth. And then Dalton Proud happened to be in Traverse City. He was He's scouting for the Florida Panthers. So I got to see him in Traverse City, and then we got to catch up even more. So, yeah, I still do. There, there are some. Um, I don't bug them on a regular basis. If they're with another team right now, I don't call and try to – talk to them about uh, what they're doing, where they are. It's just simply uh, if the situation if the situation comes up, I, uh, I reach out. I reach out. What else do I have here? Um, Union Blue Soldier says, Team Blue Pants, Bob. Always our opinion to wear blue for the Blue Jackets, even if they are playing a team that also wears blue. We know you're supporting the Blue Jackets, not the other team. <laughs> I've said that before. I've said, like, why well, I shouldn't wear blue tonight because they wear blue. And then the answer usually is, yeah, well, the Blue Jackets actually wear blue. Yeah, they do. They do. You're absolutely right. Uh, what else do I have here today? Jody says, can't get my speaker button to work. So that's why Jody's sending me this tweet, not coming on, not requesting to be a speaker. She says, I'm not disappointed that Emil Bemstrom hit waivers. Hopefully this is a wake-up for him because he just is uh, consistently not fully engaging during a game. He is great in European play, still not translated to the NHL 100%. Yeah, he's uh, you know, he's one that he just, uh, yeah, other guys stepped it up, and he did look the same. And I hope he does figure it out. I've said that numerous times. I, I hope that. You know, if he ends up in Cleveland, go down there and light it up. Make them bring you back. That's where you're at now. Make them bring you back. Make them uh, make them, make you be a part of it once again. It's really simple. doesn't sound so simple, but it's it's really simple. And it's, it's a heartbreak. I mean, just think this kid. He's been playing mostly in the NHL for the last three years. Now he finds himself on the outside looking in, going down to Cleveland, so. But again, it is the nature of the business. It's not. Uh, it is not for the faint of heart. That I can tell you, not for the faint of heart. All right, here's a uh, a program lineup for you, because tomorrow, seven o'clock on the flagship station of the Blue Jackets Radio Network, ninety-seven point one, the Fan. Jody Shelley and I will bring you the season preview show, and we're going to sit down with Blue Jackets head coach Brad Larson and cover just about everything that there is to cover. We'll cover the training camp that he just went through. Uh, get his his thoughts and his feelings on what kind of a team that he has, what he's hoping to see, who impressed him, uh, who disappointed him. Maybe not specific names, but you know what I mean. Coaches tend not to give specific names at times. Coaches not named Tortorella don't give specific names. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're we're going to go through it with him, and we're going to uh, we're going to get him to talk about uh, his team and what he's looking forward to and and what challenges they face as well. Because, look, not every day is going to be a great day. That's life. And so we're going to talk to him about all of that. That is tomorrow night, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock on 97.1 The Fan. 
we will have that. We'll also bring uh, Jeff Rimmer into that show, talk a little bit about the Metropolitan Division. I was just talking about a, a little bit ago. We'll go uh, in-depth with Jeff on that because now there's a guy that has people that he calls and talks to all the time, so we're going to put that knowledge to use tomorrow on the season preview show. And then, of course, on Wednesday, the Blue Jackets and the Carolina Hurricanes open the season in Raleigh. Uh, pre-game coverage will begin at 6.30, both on the Blue Jackets radio network and, again, on 97.1 The Fan in Columbus and on Bally Sports Ohio. And uh, it'll be opening night there in Carolina, so they'll have festivities. And as soon as they're done with their pre-game intros and all that stuff, we'll get the game underway, and I can't wait. I can't wait. For anybody that is saying, well, you know, you were in Carolina last week and you got beat 8-1, to one, how can you be so excited about going there? Well, you know that that team was not the team that's going tomorrow. There are parts of that team that are going tomorrow, but uh, the big pieces stayed here that night, and they are going to be there tomorrow. So I cannot wait to see that. Can't wait to see how the Blue Jackets match up against the Hurricanes. Game one of the regular season, Metropolitan Division showdown, a four-point game to start it off. And then even when it's over, whether you win or whether you lose, you barely get to take a breath because Tampa will be here to take on the Blue Jackets on Friday night for the home opener. And don't forget, don't forget, for that home opener, there's so much stuff going on at Nationwide Arena. You know, it's it's not just the uh, the game and, hey, make sure you come down here and, you, and you're ready for the game and you walk in and that's it. No, 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 no. There's so much stuff going on because there's an opening night plaza party presented by Nationwide. And the party will start on the Front Street Plaza at 3.30 in the afternoon. The game's at 7. The party starts at 3.30. So make sure that you come down, you uh, take part in the party, and then get ready for the game on Friday night between the Blue Jackets and the Tampa Bay Lightning. What a big week it is. And then it's not even over after that. Not even over. Because then you got to go right to St. Louis and play on Saturday three games in four days to get things going for the Blue Jackets in this 2022-2023 season. All right? So that'll do it. Thank you uh, once again for being with me today. That uh, you know, Sorry that uh, I got started a little bit late. That was not the plan, but there were things to do, people to talk to, and I'm glad that you stuck it out with me and that you've joined me for today's show. And like I said, we're here. It's on us. Blue Jackets are leaving tomorrow to go to Carolina. And then on Wednesday, the regular season begins with the Blue Jackets and the Carolina Hurricanes. Thanks for all your questions on this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30. We'll do it again next week. Until tomorrow for the season preview show, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.